to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Drew Holmes. I'm a clinical manager for ambulatory pharmacy at the University of Kansas Health System in Kansas City. I'll be your host today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. With me today are Nicole Foster, Program Director for Pharmacy Technician Training at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee, Stephanie Jean, Clinical Manager, Medication Assistance Program at UNC Healthcare in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and Ellen Reback, Director of Pharmacy Patient Services at Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thanks for joining us today, Nicole, Stephanie, and Ellen. Today's podcast is part two of our series on remote work and the impact of the pandemic, which will be focused on specifically on pharmacy technicians. I'll begin with our first question for the group. Which technicians on your team are working from home and what are their primary responsibilities? Are they working remotely prior to the pandemic or did they start working from home due to the pandemic? Stephanie, how about you share first? Yeah, thank you, Drew. I oversee a team of about 20 medication access pharmacy technicians who are responsible for outpatient prior authorizations um, and copay assistance needs for both our internal specialty pharmacy and they also support some of our hospital-based clinics. And prior to the pandemic, our entire team was working in office and more than half of them were actually embedded in our clinics with the clinical pharmacist and our patient care team. And so because no one really had been set up or prepared for remote work, there were definitely challenges up front in sort of transitioning the team off-site, and we had to work very closely with our department leadership, our IT, and really each of the employees to ensure that they had all of the appropriate hardware and access to everything that they needed, including Wi-Fi, you know, our electronic medical record or various programs to be able to perform their job functions. I think that there were also some added considerations with transitioning our hourly technicians off-site and just ensuring that expectations were clear from the beginning for things like time cards and clocking in and out for shifts and breaks and, you know, what to do in situations like Wi-Fi or power outages. And there was about a week or so period where we thought that the transition may be coming just with everything going on in the news um, and having to move off-site. But ultimately, we were asked to do so within about a matter of days, and so it had to be pretty swift and just thinking on our feet and preparing the team pretty quickly to work from home. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, everything had to move very quickly early on. We can all relate to that. Ellen, how about you share your experience? Yeah, thanks, Drew. So looking at all of our inpatient activities, currently we don't have any technicians working remotely or from home. We do have technicians that we moved to remote work. So looking at our medication history techs, you know, we looked at were they able to complete the activities from home? There are some concerns that I think we'll get on, maybe get to share later in the podcast, but they were able to complete med histories remotely, but they were stationed here at the hospital. Nicole, how about you close us out with this one? So much like Stephanie and Ellen, a lot of our areas were 
you know, just on site. We didn't have anybody at the time working from home, pharmacists or technicians. And when everything went down, we got a couple days notice as well, as far as like, you guys need to start planning to send your teams home. And so we had to scramble. And luckily for the areas that could work from home, we had some back supply of some you know, computers and phones and things. Plus we had people literally just taking their workstations home and the ones that could be portable and getting those plugged in. And our HR also, you know, had policies drafted pretty much overnight to outline what people need to do to work from home and what to do in case of power outages. The main bulk of our teams that are working from home still are specialty pharmacy and transplant pharmacy technicians, very similar to what um, Stephanie outlined with the medication access program, just being able to complete those tasks at home, filling prescriptions, answering phones. We actually set people up with soft phones that they could plug in through their computer, things like that. And then also our retail support group pharmacy has some people working from home and they field phone calls for our retail support for our retail pharmacies. So we're still transitioning those people to a model where they can work from home and on site. Like when they start with us, they start on site and then they can rotate into working from home. And all of our billing, we have a whole separate billing department. All of our billing people started working from home day one. And I don't know that there's really a plan to return them to the office at this time. Interesting. We'll uh, touch on the future plans later on the podcast. Thank you all for sharing your background. It's really helpful just to hear the similarities and how each of you did so much work and just so little time as all this started. For our next question, we'll begin with Ellen. How did you decide which technicians could work from home? Was this different from your normal process of determining, say, if pharmacists could work from home? Yeah, this was, we found it to be pretty similar when we were looking at the framework for, okay, who can we move to work from home? Who can we move to remote? So how, just to walk through that quickly first, you know, what work is completed by this individual? Can those tasks be completed without compromising the care we provide to patients if they're moved to the remote or work from home setting? And then, you know, is there technology to support that? And that's what we're kind of talking about. There was a certain rush there. And then finally, something that was really important and we did get hung up or or did cause concern in some areas is going back to that, we don't compromise the care we provide for the patients or don't decrease the services we're providing. We need to make sure also aligned with that is that we're not asking nursing or the providers to take on another task. Because if pharmacy is stepping away, we needed to make sure that we weren't then asking nursing to take on one more thing to do because they were, you know, going through the same assessment and, and certainly stressed with all of the things that, that COVID brought and new protocols, et cetera. So we did walk through that very similarly with the pharmacists and technicians. I think with the technicians, some places from a technology standpoint are specifically the med history technicians that was all workstations and we didn't have the availability of laptops as, as easily, but that, that could have easily been, you know, rectified in, in the months ahead. But that was one thing that, that stood out too. Absolutely. I think you uh, just touched on something we discussed in part one of ensuring people can provide the same level of care with this really different um, structure. Nicole, why don't you share how you decided which technicians could work from home? So our management team's, gathered pretty quickly after we got a prompt from the State Board of Pharmacy 
kind of waiving or putting a waiver in place as far as our technicians were concerned and suspending the tech ratios and things like that. We actually sense, especially in our specialty pharmacy, we have embedded pharmacists and technicians in our clinics. And we actually send our technicians home first because, as you stated a moment ago, you know, we wanted to make sure that our nursing staff and our doctors in the clinics, our providers in the clinics didn't take on extra responsibilities and kind of left without a paddle. And so we actually sent um, our technicians to our hub location first and then eventually home um, to try to consolidate resources and left our pharmacists in the clinic for a short amount of time. And we kind of condensed responsibilities. So we'd have, you know, maybe a pharmacist covering two clinics for a week, and then they'd go home for a week, and then they'd have another pharmacist cover. They'd rotate in week in, week out kind of thing to try to limit exposure. So we did that for a little while. And then eventually when VUMC actually tightened down on restrictions as far as who can come in clinics and who can't, we actually wound up sending everybody home for a little bit and then slowly opening it back up. But at first it was, again, what work duties can be accomplished without having to be in a physical building? Do we have the manpower to get all these computers online? You know, can people do it themselves? And it was just a big determining factor of do we have those resources readily available? And it took a couple weeks for us to get people kind of plugged in and figure out what duties needed to be redistributed. But I feel like it worked pretty well. Excellent. Thanks for sharing. Stephanie, how about your team? Yeah, I echo a lot of what both Ellen and Nicole already shared. I think, you know, across the department at our institution, there were definitely various considerations being made based on, you know, what Ellen shared about who works in a direct patient care setting and having to weigh out who could and could not feasibly work from home based on their job functions. And I think it was, of course, much easier to make those decisions for some of our teams who were in ambulatory clinical settings like ours and, you know, their day-to-day does not involve seeing patients in person or working directly in an on-site operational area. For our team specifically, we felt that, you know, based on their daily functions, we could reasonably transition all of them off-site at that time in March 2020 and sort of adjust as we moved along. And both Ellen and Nicole shared this, but what was important for our team was just maintaining those clear lines of communication in a virtual setting with all of the various groups that they interact with, whether that's, you know, our pharmacy or providers, clinic teams that they support, and just ensuring that there were no gaps in the services that we provided. And so I think that it's interesting that, you know, I don't think any of us anticipated that we would still be working remotely over a year later, but there was certainly hesitancy in allowing work from home for our technician teams prior to the pandemic and all of this occurred. But I think that we've really been able to build and sustain a successful remote model for our team. And the team has really sort of leaned on each other, learned from each other, and just sharing tips and experiences with any challenges that they've had in working in a remote setting. So I think it's it's gone really well. Well, that's great to hear that your team has responded well and maintained a high level of care. I think, you know, now that we've talked about the background and how each of you made your decisions of who was going to work from home and and just how you got to where you are today. I'm, I'm really curious to hear just the reaction of your team. So, Nicole, how have your technicians reacted to working from home? You know, it's funny because at first we were also very reluctant to send certain groups to work from home. It's funny, even myself, you know, I had approached my boss previously to work from home many, you know, at least one or two days a week several years ago. And it was always just this, we don't do that here, you know. And so now that we have people working from home, our staff, like, 
are so engaged. It's funny, like even with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, we have some staff that are wanting to go back to more of a blended model where they have some days at home and some days in the office just because they miss that interaction. And we have some people who are like, if you never let me come back in the office again, I'm completely fine with that. I don't want to come back. And then we have some who are like, I miss it. I need to be in the office. And so, you know, we actually anticipated that our staff would all be like, nope, we're at home forever. And it would be a struggle getting people to come back into the office. But it's funny how people realize their strengths and that they want to spend some days in the office or they want to come back full time to the office. And then, of course, we have those people who are completely happy working from home. But I think it really has increased the amount of people that are willing to stay. It's helped our, our retention for sure, even through a pandemic you know, our retention numbers are looking really good. People aren't leaving and they seem to be pretty happy. So we're pretty glad that a lot of our people have decided to stick with us. And it seems overall that the model is going to continue, hopefully based on things that they've said within our state, but so far they've loved it. Wow. That's exciting. I know just great for leadership to hear and know that everyone is bought in and doing well. Stephanie, how about your team? How have they reacted? We're on the same page as Nicole and and a lot of the things that she just shared, I was laughing at because it's the same for our team. They've loved it as things have started to return back to some sense of normalcy. And we're discussing, you know, what our permanent new normal will look like. We've really been intentional about asking each of the technicians on my team, you know, what is your preference? Do you want to come back full on site? Do you want to stay full remote or creating some type of hybrid model? And all of them have said that they have truly adapted to and really enjoyed the work from home model and have expressed that they feel even more productive at home than they do on site. So really taking into consideration, you know, all of their thoughts and experiences. And I think, you know, something that Nicole shared that I completely agree with is a lot of the things in being on site, such as, you know, the extra time and the cost of parking, the commute to work, a lot of those things are no longer sources of stress. And I think that's especially important to take into consideration for technician groups where there can be um, certain challenges with talent retention and turnover. So I think those, those are definitely strengths of our experiences in the last year or so. Thank you both for sharing it. The answers you provided were right in line with part one of our podcast, the this new model, giving people a, a better balance, work-life balance. And we talked so much about burnout, resiliency. I think that this has been just a positive from everything we've experienced since the early part of 2020. Thank you both for sharing. Now, this next question is for Ellen and Stephanie. As a manager, how have you changed your leadership and management approach with a remote workforce? And how does it differ from your approach when they work on site? Ellen, why don't you begin? Thanks, Drew. Yeah, you know, I know we did not move our the technicians home, but what I want to call out in this question is, you know, with the remote workforce, despite not having any of our immediate technicians and, and for most of the time frame, our pharmacists too were all on site, even though we were on site, and I think many of us probably experienced this, it did feel like we were all in more of a remote setting. We weren't meeting for our daily huddles and seeing each other face-to-face and in person, we were doing calls on Microsoft Teams to move our huddles to Teams and recording those if people weren't able to attend. But that missing that in-person interaction, having to get rid of staff meetings, you know, in the traditional sense of we all go to the auditorium and 50 plus of us in the room and share learnings there. So what we did 
was really increase, do an increased emphasis on rounding, checking in with team members. And one thing that I found, you know, always wanting to connect with the pharmacists and technicians on a personal level, but really during this time, during rounding, you know, pausing and say, how are you doing? Because there was that level of rapid change and the toll it takes in caring for these critically ill patients. Then I'd take a step back and think about all of those things that were happening for the technicians and pharmacists at work. But we all had that number of things, if not more, um, going on at home or with family members that were sick. And so really with rounding, focusing on some more well-being and resilience type conversations. And some people would open up and share a little bit and seem to help. And some people, you know, didn't want to, but just making sure that as a leader, you know, we're doing what maybe the team member needs at the time. It's so important to mention. I'm really glad you did on the well-being of everyone. We had to have a check on that just as we move through with all this rapid change. And I think that for a lot of us leaders, that was something that may not have been at the top of our list, but I'm glad to hear that um, you made it a, a priority and engaged your team in that way. Stephanie, how about your answer? How has your leadership management approach changed? I would agree with Ellen. I think you know, prior to the pandemic, I had monthly one-on-ones with each of the technicians. And at the time, it may have been just more focused on, you know, how is work going? How are things going in your clinics or the patients that you're helping with? But now, you know, really shifting in the past year to really making these meetings more about that personal check-in, ensuring that they're doing okay. I think in a work-from-home setting, a lot of times, you know, we see all the benefits, but at the same time that they are sitting behind a computer screen for, you know, all day, all week, and they don't have that time to get up, engage with others, move around. And so, really trying to make sure that those monthly one-on-one meetings focusing on, you know, how are you doing on a personal level? Um, how can I help you in that way? And I think that they've really continued to enjoy having those um, touch points each month. And I think also this was talked about in the pharmacist podcast as well, the weekly huddles, staff meetings, ensuring that those things did not, you know, weren't compromised and that even more so in a work from home setting, just trying to really incorporate those engaging activities. I think it's tough for sure to have those weekly huddles or staff meetings on Zoom or WebEx, you know, each week. And so trying to incorporate some fun things in there, you know, sharing just lighthearted videos, bingo, trivia, things like that, that just really get them excited about, okay, I'm calling into this meeting and I'm going to have this time with my team each week. I think something else that is important that not necessarily changed a lot, but the approach changed a little bit with the remote work setting is managing and monitoring productivity. And that was also touched on a little bit on the pharmacist podcast. But I I do think that that has become more important for sure in a virtual setting and just ensuring that we are using the reporting and metrics in a way that isn't necessarily micromanaging, but also just maintaining productivity, ensuring that there are no gaps in that and transitioning to the work from home model. So I think what's been really great about having those reports is just the ability to really drive decisions for our team during this time as well and sharing the reports with our team and saying, you know, what you're sharing with me that you feel more productive at home is also what I'm seeing or being able to really ensure that things like new initiatives or new projects, new services, any volume changes that were going on in the past year that we're using those reports to ensure that 
you know, we're making the most of our remote work from home model and, and that any of our service expectations are not compromised as well. So I, I think that that has definitely changed a bit in the last year in just monitoring productivity overall. Yeah, absolutely. Stephanie, the one of the most important things we can do as leaders is continue to hold people accountable and to drive the team and to push them to accomplish more and more. So I completely agree. Thank you for sharing about maintaining productivity. Let's continue just the discussion on our teamwork and maintaining cohesiveness and how that's what that's looked like with the remote workforce. So Nicole, why don't you share from your experience? So one of the neat things that several of our areas have done is something they mentioned a minute ago is actually they'll have like bingo or trivia or something going throughout the day on teams, maybe like a bingo type thing for certain people just to check in several times a day. I know of another area that we have that actually has a biweekly, like for lack of a better term, cocktail hour, or it's like a Zoom and people get on and it's kind of like after working hours. So the work day is quote unquote done. Um, but they just like the team that's used to seeing each other every day in the office just gets together via Zoom and just chats about like what's going on in their life or sometimes they'll have a theme and they'll play like a game or something like that. And then we do have several areas that do since stuff has started to open back up and they are staying, you know, working from home that they'll have like people that go out to dinner together or whatever. One of the biggest changes for us that we tried to do is something that our area or our department looks forward to every year is pharmacy week. And so we always have like a big thing. We do like a luncheon and we have like a little gift and we do prizes and games and just different stuff for our areas. And I'm actually previously have been in charge of organizing all that for our department. And um, this year it was a challenge this past year because you know, how do you still make people feel celebrated, like they're part of something and they're being honored while, you know, a good portion of our workforce was working from home. So we arranged like gift pickup and distribution for areas that wanted to do that. We actually had like boxed lunches delivered. We didn't send boxed lunches or anything, obviously, to all of our staff working from home because the logistics of that would have been crazy. But, you know, we gave people the opportunity to come in for that one day and whatnot. And then we also had like a photo contest where we had people like take funny pictures at home in like costumes and submit them for like the best photo and gave out little trophies and stuff. So I think just trying to like do virtual social gatherings and like they said in the last question, just really trying to make sure people are checking in with each other and still feel like they're a part of our work community as well as working from home and being productive. Yeah, it's possible to use the technology for fun and also use it for work. So that's great. Thanks, Nicole, for sharing. Ellen, how about you? Anything else you would share for maintaining teamwork and cohesiveness? Very similar to Nicole, and I appreciate that she mentioned the challenges of Pharmacy Week last year. We we certainly experienced that here as well. One thing just on that train of thought and is that I think with what we experienced, we did, you know, it required a large amount of teamwork, seeing more teamwork come through day to day to get through the ever-changing processes and procedures or new medications that now had to be compounded in the IV room. And so I think we have seen some benefits from that, um, both in the technician and pharmacist workforce of really challenging us to see how we can work better as a team, utilizing technology to help us communicate those needs. And then with that teamwork comes individual flexibility and the flexibility that all of this required was was very high. And I do think we're seeing that taken away as, as lessons learned and new tools in the toolbox as we move forward. Definitely. Thanks for sharing that toolbox. Very important. 
so we've talked a lot about the good and the positives everyone has seen, but I think I know myself, the audience, I think we benefit from just discussing everyone's challenges. So next question, what's been your biggest challenge with having staff work remotely due to the pandemic and how have you addressed those challenges? If you've had staff working remotely prior to the pandemic, are the challenges you're facing now different? Stephanie, how about you start? It's a good question. I think that we touched on this a little bit, but I think the biggest challenge has definitely been team engagement, social interaction for my team. I think in this virtual setting, it's definitely a struggle sometimes when, you know, you want to make sure that everyone is engaged and when you have those weekly team meetings and touch points. And and like we said, you know, really trying to incorporate some of those fun aspects so that they're looking forward to it. They still feel like they're part of a team, even though they're not seeing these people daily. So I think that that has been the biggest piece for me as a manager and a leader is really trying to figure out how do I make sure that, you know, they all still feel like they're part of one larger team outside of just their home setting. And as we have recruited and hired and onboarded new employees, I think that's even more important and has been a challenge as well is to just ensure that new employees who are brand new even to our institution and new to our team, that they also feel like they are part of something bigger than just, you know, their day-to-day at home. And so that's something that I know I'll continue to ensure in this remote model that, you know, I prioritize that, that I'm making sure that each of them feel like they are a part of something bigger outside of their home setting. Ellen, what would you say has been your biggest challenge? I would agree in, in that, we were all feeling it, the, the lack of in-person interaction. One thing from, I'll just add a kind of nuts and bolts, from a technology standpoint, for our med history technicians, it was really hard to f- figure out how to overcome. If we moved all of our med history techs offsite, how would we receive a fax from a facility securely? And we just didn't have that infrastructure set up at the time. We, we, not, we currently do now. Uh, to allow for that, but that was just one of the more kind of nitty-gritty technology items that was a challenge for us. Nicole, why don't you close us out with this one? What was your biggest challenge? Honestly, I think everything that Stephanie and Ellen have said so far, 100%, like, we experienced that as well, so I don't want to, you know, harp on that too much, but I think one other thing that really has gotten under people's skin, so to speak, so far, is that after, you know, at first everything was like, we didn't know how long it was going to last. So it was a day-to-day, week-to-week, kind of even month-to-month, like maybe we'll keep doing it, maybe we won't, because we didn't know how long it was going to last. But now we're over a year out from people working from home and things like that. And, you know, we still have a fair number of staff that have never worked from home. Like they're they've been on site in the thick of it the whole time. And the burnout is real. And the contempt, I guess, that those staff members have for the rest of the our pharmacy staff is starting to show. And so like we'll be on meetings or we'll have different things. And we started to open up some in-person stuff. And there's little comments that fly, you know, about like, well, at least, you know, you've been haven't had to been on site this whole time. And, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges is we have a fair amount of interdepartmental movement as it is, like we'll have people start in the inpatient sector and then quickly move to one of our outpatient areas because they do have some different perks and work from home options and things like that now. But now more than ever, that's a big thing. And some of our inpatient people, I feel like feel that and because 
if you look at it from their perspective, they've been in the thick of it this whole time and they're not getting these days from home and these kind of relaxate. I think they have this picture that everybody's just sitting at home with a pina colada in our beach chairs with their feet up, you know, but there's also challenges to work from home as far as people not having that social interaction and not really knowing when to cut work off and begin their home life. I think that's another big thing that our people that are working from home has stated is that working from home and having that freedom and not have to drive in the Nashville traffic is great, but they also don't know where home begins and work ends or work begins and home ends. Like they don't, they're all these lines are very blurry and they feel like they're on their email 24 seven and things like that, especially from our management team. They feel like they work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so that's been really a tough challenge to try to make people cut it off at a certain time. Yeah. And that really echoes part one of our podcast with the pharmacist. It was the same thing and trying to keep that balance, maintain well-being and not just working all the time. Huge, huge challenge. Thank you all for sharing. I know that we all benefit from hearing your challenges and how you've navigated through that. But since we've talked about the team and the good, the, the challenges, how you've structured everything, let's turn now take a pivot and talk about the future. And Ellen, I'll, I'll begin with you. Where do you envision staff will be working after the pandemic? Now you mentioned some of your team members still on site, but what factors did or have you been considering when deciding where staff will work after the pandemic? For some of the roles that were moved off site, not, not specifically at our inpatient hospital, but some of our system support roles, I think you know they're certainly gonna maintain that off site or some hybrid of that. And I think that certainly makes sense. One thing uh, specific to what I've kind of talked about throughout here are those medication history technicians and what we were able to find out and, and kind of trial through all of this is having a set of medication history technicians that are, you know, they're on site, but they're working remotely. They're covering med histories for other hospitals throughout our system, uh, for patients at our site, at other sites. And that was successful. And so I think there is opportunity to continue. We, we are continuing to do that, but to expand it even further. Some of the sites that, that are smaller, say 50 beds, doesn't make sense that they have a 24-7 med history tech all the time dedicated to that. It's just not feasible. And so how can we do that in a pool or remote work and do that successfully, especially as we think through technician shortage, hiring and training, I think there's a lot of opportunity there, especially in this medication history space and really contributing to timely med histories too, um, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it's a good opportunity to just contemplate how you distribute your resources and sounds like your team has found some unique opportunities. Nicole, why don't you share next, what does the future for the staff at Vandy look like? So right now we're really looking at the changes that the Board of Pharmacy is making and things that they're putting into place that are more permanent as far as waivers and ratios and things. And um, we're really trying to adapt a model that'll continue some people working from home and if not rotating on a schedule to keep some of our call centers full and things like that to keep the support in place. It's been challenging because nationally and at our state level, you know, it's no secret that there is a shortage of qualified technicians applying for positions. And so really our goal um, to move forward is to hopefully make those positions attractive so people will apply. And we've started our pharmacy technician training program. And so that's our future right now is getting people in the door through these programs and 
having set positions that are work from home as like an incentive to eventually you can get there to where you get a remote position if that's something you want, but just really evaluating what members of our team, the work can continue to be done from home. And, you know, is it a safe, a space saving opportunity where we don't have to have as much real estate and things like that. And so I think moving forward, our plans are to continue a lot of our remote work, but I think there will be some changes um, as far as productivity. You know, it's not going to be a given anymore. People that are lacking on their productivity in certain areas will have to be responsible for that and potentially go back into the office on like a probationary period and things like that. So I think moving forward, we're looking at more of a permanent model for people working from home. Very interesting. I think that's a great point you make about using this to bring on new team members and incentivizing them. Certainly something everyone can take and apply. Stephanie, how about your team? What does the future for you look like? You know, we're still actively discussing this with our HR teams and just ensuring that we're really taking everything into consideration, including definitely what our team wants and each of the technicians prefer, but then also what, you know, sort of our partners, our clinical teams, those that we interact with and support on a daily basis, what they prefer as well. And I think that now that we've been in this remote model for over a year and it's gone well, we feel that we can really feasibly take all of the pros and cons into consideration from everybody and really continue to build something that just works for everybody, whether that is a hybrid model, staying fully remote, or moving back on site in some sense. And so I think the most important thing at the end of the day is to just ensure that there are no gaps in the services and the support that we provide and and the work that we do for our patients. And as long as we can maintain that um, successfully, I I think that this work from home model has gone really well. It can be something that we can discuss and think about permanently moving forward. Yeah, that's great. Thank you each for sharing. I think everyone will benefit from here in the future and can take that and apply to their own teams and their home. As we come to a close, we'll kind of take a step back and just think broadly, maybe nationally with this last question. What do you think the impact will be of having more technicians working remotely, in particular impact on areas such as recruitment and the ability to expand services? Stephanie, how about you start? I think Nicole really touched on this in the last question, and I completely agree with her and just, you know, the strengths of the work from home model for technician groups and, and the attraction that it brings to some of these positions, especially when a lot of institutions are having challenges with talent retention with technicians and also turnover, just hiring really great qualified technicians. And so I think that this work from home option is definitely something that will be very attractive to getting technicians on board, but then also having them stay. And and we've seen that on my team throughout the last year as well, and just what they've expressed and shared with enjoying sort of no longer having to pay for parking, no longer having to worry about the commute, things like that, where it's really been a job satisfier for them. Um, I think the second part of your question that Ellen touched on this a little bit with the med history technicians at her institution, um, but we've seen the same thing where we've really been able to expand just how many teams and clinics that our technicians support. I think when we were in person, especially those of our team that were embedded in the clinics, I think it was a lot harder for them to just be able to prioritize their work with all of the distractions and everything that goes on in the clinic setting and having, you know, a lot of people right there in clinic being able to 
ask them a bunch of questions or interact with them, communicate with them. There's definitely strengths and pros to that as well. But then also thinking about how much that they can do at home and how productive they are and being able to still prioritize their work in this virtual setting that we've really been able to expand just how many other clinics that they support rather than the one that they were sitting in and going into on a daily basis. And so really being able to distribute the resources that we already have and optimize our workflows in more of a centralized approach has been something that's kind of been an unexpected strength and result, this work from home model in this last year. And, and I think that it's been, it's been really great for us um, overall. Excellent. Always glad to hear it's been positive and thanks for sharing how you've grown your services. That's huge impact. I know others can relate. Nicole, any final thoughts from you? I think, as I said earlier, you know, it's given us a little bit more of um, an idea how to utilize this for a recruitment strategy. I do feel like we've had to make a little bit of a paradigm shift with our onboarding. As one of the ladies mentioned before, you know, there's a potential, especially right now, for somebody to come because our Vanderbilt overall, the medical center orientation is still online. And so, you know, there's a potential they could get hired on do their pharmacy department onboarding all online and not meet anybody face-to-face. And so I think that the impact overall, if we're not careful, could be we have people who don't have that sense of community and belonging to our organization. One of the things that attracted me to Vanderbilt in the first place was just, and that's kept me there, besides the career advancements, is just the community and the people and how it's such a tight-knit little family for being such a big organization. And I think that we could lose that if we're not careful. And so I think we are hopefully making plans. I know that it's been talked about to move our at least pharmacy department onboarding back to an in-person experience so that we can make sure people are seen and that we know you work for us. And I don't want anybody to walk into one of our facilities and not know anybody there. I think that would be a big disadvantage for our employees and because we want them to build that camaraderie with their fellow employees. And um, it has expanded our ability to offer more services because there aren't those water cooler conversations that are taking up distractions and or making distractions and taking up part of the day. You know, that is also important for sanity of our employees. And so we are offering more services and covering more clinics and different things like that. But I think that overall, it has allowed technicians to become more competitive, you know, the assessment-based certificates that PTCB has out there, I feel like are important to a lot of people now more so than they were before because it sets them apart for these remote experiences. If you have that, you know, for instance, experience in billing or whatnot, and it's a billing position, that gives you a leg up when there's so many people looking for these remote um, experiences. So I think it's hopefully overall nationally going to advance the technician profession, having more of these ABCs available and then having people utilizing them to make them more competitive for their work from home. So I think it's kind of balancing the scales on both ends a little bit, for lack of a better term. Definitely. I completely agree with both of you. I think that's why it's so critical that we had this podcast today and discuss remote work for technicians. I think that hope this is information is something everyone can take, apply to their team. And we can just continue to advance the career of a pharmacy technician, really the such a critical component of our workforce, our profession, and, and serving our patients, most importantly. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Nicole, Stephanie, and Ellen for joining us to discuss remote work of pharmacy technicians during and after the pandemic. Join us here on Tuesdays, where we'll be talking with ASHP members about leadership topics within pharmacy practice. Everyone have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official. Thank you.